0: Welcome to Ivy League Murders. My name is Sarah Alcorn. I'm a Harvard graduate and a private investigator.
1: And my name is Laura Rodriguez-McDonald. I'm a University of Miami graduate, longtime crime aficionado,
0: and part of a fourth-generation NYPD family. Laura and I don't always agree on everything. With her NYPD roots and my criminal defense background, sometimes we find ourselves on opposite sides of the jury. We do share a mutual passion for crime solving, and we both grew up in Cambridge, steps away from Harvard University.
1: On Ivy League Murders, we discuss cases where the best of the best make the worst decisions. We look at people who seemingly have it all and throw it all away.
0: Murder, murder, murder. We're back. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) What a January it has been, huh, Laura? Absolutely. Between family members getting COVID and blizzards. Blizzards.
1: And, Sarah, Dunkin' Donuts has paper straws. Oh, my (laughs) God. I can't believe it's come to that. Massachusetts Dunkin'. I thought Dunkin' Donuts was like the last I wasn't going to convert to. Are you okay, Laura? It's new. It just happened. Too soon. It's too soon.
0: (laughs) Listen, we thank you guys so much. We are sorry. We are getting back on track, but it has just been, we've literally been snowed up here in New England with surges, with snow, with, it's just been insane. So we are back. We're back. And ready to have some more
1: fun. Ready. We have lots of fun cases coming up. So let's get right to it, Sarah. What do we have
0: this week? So this week, we are going to be talking about the Von Bulow case. And I think anybody from our generation probably knows this case. But if you don't know this case, you're in for a treat. This one has it all. It has got enormous wealth. It has mansions, princes, princesses, sex, lust, greed. Drugs, drugs. (laughs) alcohol, (laughs) affairs. (laughs) Anyway, so hold on to your seats, because this is a good one. As you look at Clarendon Court in Newport, Rhode Island, through the filigreed wrought iron gates, they open onto an expansive driveway and a cobbled courtyard, at the end of which is a white-columned palace. From the back, it has sweeping views of the Atlantic Ocean across a terraced lawn. It is by some estimations the finest single private residence in America. It is the Versailles of Newport. It's December 22nd, 1980. The white marble foyer is festooned with a 15-foot Christmas tree and holiday regalia. As we ascend the sweeping staircase and into the master bedroom, it's really cold. It's freezing. Through the master suite, there's a large pink and white marbled bathroom. On the floor of the bathroom, laying face down, is the comatose form of Heiress Sonny von Bülow. Her temperature has plummeted to 81.6 degrees Fahrenheit. She would never recover consciousness. How she got into that state would put her husband, Klaus von Bülow, into the crosshairs of her suspicious family. Did von Bülow give her a lethal dose of insulin, which resulted in a vegetative coma? You be the judge. Martha Sonny Crawford was born in 1932, the heiress to an enormous gas and oil fortune. She inherited $100 million when her father died, when she was just a child. $100 million back then was about $1.8 billion. It's an enormous amount of money, and she's one of the richest heiresses in the world. She was very beautiful and born basically into American royalty. She attended the Chapin School, and her widowed mother split their time between Manhattan and an estate in Greenwich, Connecticut. Sonny decided not to go to college, and her debutante ball in 1951 was a huge affair. So, Laura, one of Sonny's many privileges was travel, and it was on a trip to Austria where she met and fell in love with the charming Prince Alfie von Auersburg. So she marries Alfie von Auersberg in 1957 and really their life just seems so blissful and charming. They lived in the Austrian Alps. They live in a castle, a 15th century castle called Schloss Mittenzell and it sort of became a resort and then during World War II the Nazis occupied it, used it as their headquarters. And after that Alfie's family took it back from the Nazis so this is where they were living in a castle in the Austrian Alps and going on safaris they also had a son and a daughter Alexander and Allah who were both prince and a, and a princess respectively. Another important person that came into their life at this point too was Sonny hired a maid by the name of Maria Schrollhammer and Schrollhammer had actually worked for the Krupp family which was, the Krupp family was deep in the Nazi war mission But Maria Schrollheimer will play a part later on. But all was not well between Alfie and Sonny. Sonny was restless, and I think she really wanted to kind of move back to New York and be kind of in that milieu rather than in the middle of the country. And also Alfie was very charming, and as you said, he liked the ladies. So she really started to hate Alfie's roving eye and his womanizing. And so she ends up meeting Klaus von Bülow in London in 1954. The marriage with Alfie is kind of on its way out. Tell us a little bit about Klaus von Bülow, because he's an interesting character. He's a
1: very interesting character. And actually, he's kind of been a man that's been shrouded in controversy for a long time, long before he married Sonny. So Klaus was actually born Klaus Cecil Borberg in Copenhagen on August 11, 1926. And he was the son of Jana and Sven Borberg. So his parents divorced when he was four and his father who was actually a theater critic was arrested as a Nazi collaborator. He was sentenced to four years in prison. He actually served 18 months, but died a year out of prison. So at a young age, Klaus moved to Britain with his mother, and he changed his name. He may have changed his name because his maternal grandfather was from a noble family. So the von Bülow name was a noble name. It was Bülow, though. Bülow, I'm sorry. (laughs) The von is added later. The Bülow. So his grandfather had been the, the minister of justice, a Danish minister of justice. But I think there was also a lot of shame associated with
0: his father's alleged collaboration with the Nazis. Yeah, he definitely distanced himself from his father. And was very, very close to his mother and and ended up taking her name rather than his father's name. Right, which is quite understandable. Klaus went on
1: to attend Trinity College in Cambridge and to get a law degree. Very interesting that Klaus would go on to work for John Paul Getty, who at the time was the richest man in the world, and quite a character. And he was really Getty's right-hand man. And we will later talk about Klaus's affect because... It's often said that he really has no affect, and anybody wants to watch any video of Klaus, he really often doesn't. But I often think of what it must be like to work for somebody like J. Paul Getty, who was a a very, how would you say, an eccentric, difficult man.
0: Very, very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. Man,
1: I wonder if maybe some of that came from coping with J. Paul Getty for a decade.
0: Or maybe it was that he was essentially British, even though he had spent a lot of formative years in Denmark. I think he really adopted that stiff upper lip British, like you just don't show your emotion, to a fault. What did Getty refer to? He referred to Klaus von Bülow as his... His whipping boy. His whipping boy. So yeah, obviously to... Take somebody like JP Getty for an extended period of time. JP Getty was cheap. He wasn't really a piece of work. He wouldn't pay his own grandson's
1: ransom until he received a piece of his ear as <laughs> proof. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'd also like to add that Klaus was a very handsome, charming, well-mannered. If you watch any interviews with him, he does seem like nobility. Yes. I mean, he is well-spoken, articulate. And uh, he had a number of affairs with some pretty... High profile. Uh, actually, he he had an affair with someone who appears in another episode of Ivy League Murders, Anne Woodward, who killed her husband, Billy Woodward. So Sonny meets Klaus, and I think they're both young, they're both attractive, She's still married, but I think in name only. And they start this hot and heavy love affair. So
0: Sonny divorces Alfie von Auerzberg, and she really does give him like a generous payout. She gives him like a million dollars and the properties in Europe. A million dollars back then was like $8 million. She really wanted to move on. She wanted to be with Klaus. She wanted to move back to New York. So all of that happened. They moved back to New York, and that would be Sonny and Klaus- Alex and Alla, her son and daughter, and also Maria Schrollheimer, the maid, they all move back to a palatial apartment overlooking Central Park, and she and Klaus get married June 6, 1966.
1: And in 1970, they buy Clarendon Court in Newport.
0: Just you know, you need a summer place.
1: So can we just take a second and talk about Clarendon Court? Sarah and I went to Clarendon Court, well... We went to the outside of Clarendon Court last week, which is unoccupied at the time, we could tell. But Clarendon Court is a mansion and a prime location in Newport, and it is sandwiched between one of the many Vanderbilt mansions on Bellevue Avenue and what used to be Eleanor Elkins Widener's mansion, her 27-bedroom mansion on the other side, just so to give you some scale here about how large these homes are
0: right i mean clarendon court only has 10 bedrooms so maybe it was more of the modest one cottage
1: (laughs) right and just just for reference eleanor elkins widener her son and husband died on the titanic and the widener library at harvard is named after her son and we have done an episode on. we've done a few episodes episodes on on that so there's a lot of history here and this house is unbelievable this isn't just when we say wealthy when we say money this is like royalty. It this is, is really is. money and, and wealth on a scale. We really don't see much today. We don't see homes built in this scale today, really.
0: Well, we do, but they're all glass and metal. You right. Know? They're I mean, not they're, they're, like... They're yeah. not uh, this kind of baroque kind of like a layered cake upon layered cake this is what this house right is like. it's gorgeous
1: you know? yeah i mean these, is, these you know. homes were built during the gilded age by oil tycoons and robber who, who made fortunes and were just really looking to show off
0: their wealth and build homes and so you know what i'm gonna do right now laura i'm zipping the camera out and we're looking at a wide view right now of their lives You have got Klaus and Sonny, beautiful couple. He's handsome. She's beautiful. They have two beautiful children, a gorgeous apartment in New York. They have a cottage in Newport. Everything. They have the ideal life. They end up having a daughter themselves. Right. In 1967,
1: they have Cosima. They have
0: Cosima. And my God, if you look at the outside artifice of this life, it looks perfect. Perfect. But- As time goes on, their marriage begins to cool, their passion begins to cool, and finally it goes cold.
1: Nobody's in a marriage but those two people, but there seems to be some corroding elements. Klaus, upon his marriage to Sonny, stops working, which seems to be quite difficult for him and a stress in the marriage that he wants to go back to work, and Sonny doesn't want him working. And there seems, in my opinion, to be some addiction issues with Sonny. Yes. And some depression.
0: True. I think that might be sort of chicken and egg. Klaus was also going outside of the marriage for sex, for having affairs, and they were very different people. Klaus was Mr. Outgoing, needed Congress with the world, needed to be the kind of showman, and and Sonny was really reclusive. She could kind of hide in New York because it's so big, but in Newport, the expectation was that she was going to be giving teas, and she was going to be socializing and throwing parties. Sonny wanted none of that. For whatever reason, it was either her personality, or she was starting to shut down, or getting depressed, or whatever it was, she just became more and more reclusive. So they were very different people. And so their marriage went cold by the time things kind of come to a head.
1: On December 22nd, 1980, this seemingly perfect life would be shattered forever when paramedics rushed to Clarendon Court and found 48 year old Sonny on the floor of her bathroom. Her pulse was 35 beats per minute. She was rushed to Newport Hospital. Sonny was alive, but in a coma from which she would never awaken. But why was she in a coma? And as we're going to tell
0: you, it wasn't the first one, right, Sarah? Sonny's family, particularly her son and her mother, were very suspicious of Klaus because it was not the first coma. About a year before, and this was December of 79, after a big Christmas party, the day after, and this is again, this is Maria the maid's version of events. She says that she passes by Sonny's bedroom and she hears moaning and she knocks on the door and she says that Klaus is sitting up in bed next to Sonny and that Sonny is just not in good shape. She's moaning and Maria asks Klaus what's going on he said she's fine. She's just sleeping it off. And she says that she's worried and Maria's is kind of hovering around the room. And around 2 p.m., she hears that sort of Sonny is gasping and she insists that Klaus calls the doctor. And then at around 2 p.m., Klaus finally does call the doctor. Klaus leaves a message for the doctor and the doctor calls him back. In about an hour, and then according to Maria, Klaus lies to the doctor when he calls, and he says, oh, she's just sleeping it off, she's fine. By six o'clock, it's clear she's not fine. Klaus calls the doctor back on Maria's insistence. The doctor shows up, and he basically shakes Sunny. She starts to vomit and goes into cardiac arrest, and the doctor has to bring her back to life. And then the doctor does CPR. Then she goes to the hospital. She's in a coma, but she actually recovers from that coma fairly quickly. So Sunny is in the hospital. She's in a coma. She does. She slowly wakes up. They do some blood work at the hospital, and they find that she has extreme hypoglycemia, very, very low blood sugar, and that she needs to avoid sugar, and there's way too much insulin in her blood. This really triggers Sonny's family to become very suspicious. Maria is on high alert. Actually, at this point, Sonny's mother, Annie Laurie Aitken, kind of becomes involved and is very harsh with Klaus. Like, why did you not call the doctor sooner on my daughter? I'm hearing these things from Maria. What is going on? And Klaus's defense is like, look, this was just another day of Sonny, quote, sleeping it off
1: whose version of events you believe. And I think there's something else going on here, Sarah, that doesn't probably get talked about enough. Sonny's money and power may have had something to do with that, and that's drug addiction. And I think that Sonny may have or quite probably had a prescription drug problem, and she was, I believe, quite self-destructive. And I believe sometimes... When there is a drug addict who is self-destructive, their behavior often gets blamed on the people
0: around them. Look, I think Laura and I have kind of gone back and forth. I think it depends on who you talk to. There are shades of definitely self-destructive behavior on the part of Sunny, though. I think she was not a happy woman, and I think she sought solace and maybe food and maybe prescription drugs and that kind of thing So it depends on who you talk to but I think that's definitely in there put it to you that way it's just very
1: difficult when somebody is being abusive with drugs and then there's medical problems to kind of know what they took and what maybe somebody else gave them
0: yeah that's it
1: gets a little bit difficult to tell the difference is my point
0: so when Maria finds a black bag In February of 1980, and again, this is between the two comas, put it to you that way. She is kind of looking through Klaus's things, and she finds a bag of his, and it has a black pouch in it and in that pouch she finds powders and pills and liquids and they have these strange labels and she's wondering sort of what are these substances so and this
1: the finding of this you're saying is one of the things
0: that leads to her suspicion absolutely it does and actually she talks to to Alla, who is the daughter princess Allah. And Alla uh, identifies these substances as sedatives. But again, I think your point is good that this is found in closest things, according to Maria. But you had said, and I kind of love your phrase, Laura, that this could have been their fun bag. They could have been recreationally doing drugs. Both she and, and absolutely Klaus, you
1: know? not uncommon, not uncommon, not now especially not uncommon in the seventies and eighties to have a you know, fun bag. And I I think they, they definitely would have had access to something like that.
0: Now, Maria says that in November of 1980, she finds this black bag again with a vial of insulin. So when she sees that vial of insulin, and again, this is all according to Maria, she says she sees it Thanksgiving 1980. And this is right prior to the second coma and final coma. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so Laura and I had to stop recording because, of course, we got into a fight.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we're back. I'm too much of a Klausette.
0: <laughs> You're super Klausette. I
1: am. I am.
0: I'm a Sunnyette, I think. I'm team Klaus. You're team Klaus, which is great. But I do think we have to also mentioned that Klaus and Sonny were starting to sort of talk about divorce. Klaus was involved with a much younger woman at this point. Her name was Alexandra Isles. Isles. She was 20 years his junior. She was very beautiful, a soap opera star. I'm sure Sonny was not happy about it. And tell us a little bit about Alexandra Isles.
1: She had been on the soap opera, is before my time, Dark Shadows. They had had an on and off relationship and there's differing stories about how much Sonny knew about the relationship or whether or not Klaus and Sonny had an open marriage. Klaus said Sonny lost interest in sex after the birth of of Cosima and that Sonny knew as long as there was discretion. The children who also knew about Klaus's indiscretions said that this was not true that Sonny never would have been okay with supporting Klaus financially while he had other relationships. So we don't know.
0: We don't. We don't know. And it's also one of those things, I think, if it must have not felt good socially or in terms of feminine pride to have Klaus with a much younger, very pretty woman. I'm sure that maybe could have contributed to Sonny's self-destruction and her kind of giving up in some ways as well. So I think there's sort of shades of gray in here as well. You know? Look,
1: and things aren't looking good when Sunny lapses into a coma. When there is this type of money, and there's an affair, obviously there's going to be some questions.
0: Exactly. So take us to that second coma, December twenty second, nineteen eighty.
1: It's a typical night for the family and Sonny and Alex and Cosima go to dinner and a movie with the chauffeur. Nine to five with Dolly Parton, by the way. A fabulous movie.
0: She's fabulous.
1: I'll sustain from her singing the song. Thank God. And come home and Sonny is hungry and asks Klaus to bring her some soup and she begins to feel weak and I speculate that she often felt weak because Alex kind of carries her up to the room
0: and puts her to bed. She's not in the greatest of health. What the cause of that is, I think Ballara and I will probably could yeah, do that out. Right. But. I mean,
1: she. it doesn't seem to alarm anybody that she's so frail and unhealthy and i will add that hypoglycemia isn't a life-threatening illness it's very manageable but alex carries her up to bed she goes to bed and basically we cut to the next day
0: so the next morning alex gets up around 11 o'clock and his mother is not there which is kind of unusual she's usually up by this time having breakfast with them and he looks out and he sees Klaus has come back from walking the dogs and he asks him. Klaus seems surprised that Sonny isn't up yet. And Klaus heads to the master bedroom and he comes back about 10 or 15 minutes later and he kind of motions to Alex. I have a feeling it's because Cosima is there and he doesn't want to alarm her. Yes. Alex goes with Klaus. And finds his mother on the floor of the bathroom and she's cold to the touch. She is laying face down. Her head is under the toilet. Her nightgown is hiked up. Alex rushes and covers her with a blanket and they call 911 and Sunny will never awaken from that coma. So Laura, I just want to talk a little bit about Newport Hospital. So she gets taken into Newport Hospital and they are as a routine when somebody is unconscious they give them what's called glucose pushes and her body is just eating these incredible infusion of glucose and they can't figure out what's going on. So her body, Sunny's body, is just simply eating the glucose. And as a result, they send out all kinds of lab tests. And one of the things that they test for is insulin. And they find she has a trace amount of barbiturates in her system, but a very high level of insulin. And this is about something like 216, and it should be about 25. It's a very, very high level of insulin. This just feeds the family's suspicions. They almost right away at the end of December go and try to get some advice about what to do about the situation. They go and they consult with an attorney by the name of Richard Koo. And Koo is in private practice by now, but he is formerly a DA. And they go and they consult with Ku. When they meet with Ku, it's Alexander and it's Maria Schrollheimer and it's Allah. And they're essentially voicing their suspicions to Ku. But what's the motive? Why would he be doing this? Part of what they suspect him of doing, because there's talk of divorce and Sonny had spoken about divorcing Klaus. Klaus would end up with a lot less money through a divorce from Sonny than he would if she were dead. So I'm just saying that's what they believe his motive is. Right. And if
1: Sonny dies, he winds up with the Newport Estate, the New York apartment, and I think 75
0: is it 75 million dollars? I think it's forty five million. 45 but million it's dollars. like, you know, you a lot to, of money. It's a lot of money. Right. That's A and, lot of money. Would you kill somebody for 45 million dollars?
1: No, Sarah, I wouldn't. <laughs>
0: That's a rhetorical question. Right, before. right. <laughs> of course not. <laughs>
1: so obviously this speaks to a strong motive. However, there is some question about Sunny as well, uh, because is it 20 days prior to the coma? Sunny had uh, attempted to kill herself. I think it was even 10 days 10 days before. prior, yeah. attempted to kill herself with an aspirin overdose. Sonny's stability and emotional mental stability is called into
0: question as well. Outline that incident for us a little bit, Laura. She ends up with like a head injury and Klaus actually calls the doctors very quickly on her. He does. Which is interesting to me. And she had taken an overdose of aspirin apparently she was like an aspirin freak like she took like 20 a day or some incredible insane amount of aspirin a day and she had headaches and that kind of thing that's something that does speak to Klaus von Bulos that's in his favor basically cuz i think right, he that he it. he
1: did call right away and you know exhibit concern and and you know she did seem to have a lack of will to live at that time and that very soon before the coma But as you said, the family gets together right away and they voice their concerns about Klaus and this meeting will play
0: a big part later. It definitely will. And so what they basically do is they outline to Ku what this black bag that Maria had found. They also talk about the estate. They also talk about Cosima and protecting her. They cover a number of different things. But one thing they cover in the meeting is this black bag and what was found in terms of substances. So they launch an investigation to go and try to find this black bag. By the way, I also had just read that Alexander had taken it upon himself to go and look for the black bag in like the New York City apartment mm-hmm. and had looked around a little bit at, they had already kind of looked around for it, but they really wanted to find this black bag.
1: I'll also say in my uh, defense of Klaus, they also speak of a settlement with Klaus at that time. So they are right away trying to protect their assets and basically they may have been suspicious, but I'm not that convinced on that part because they were trying to reach a settlement to just get Klaus to give up his They did not want the Newport estate going to Klaus. And so they were trying to get Klaus to settle and step away from the assets very quickly. I don't see the
0: two as mutually exclusive. I think the family was also trying to protect. They were wondering what to do with Cosima as well. Like, okay, if he did this to Sonny, is Cosima safe with him? That type of thing. I think it was probably a lot of different things that they were pursuing. I'm not sure if that weighs in on their suspicion of him or not. I think it's just kind of like with that amount of money, I think you kind of have to think like, okay, let's protect ourselves, you know?
1: Well, this meeting will come into question later, because it is a meeting with their lawyer. So it will
0: be privileged. So Richard Kuhn uses this PI by the name of Eddie Lampert. Eddie Lampert and Alexander drive down to Newport in early January. And They bring with them a locksmith and they go into Clarendon court and they find in Klaus's closet, they look around and at first Eddie Lambert says, look, let's look around for things that might be out in the open because they see in Klaus's study that there's this locked closet. So at first Lambert's like, let's look around. And they find like a bottle of Valium in in Klaus's desk. Finally, they are also looking in the desk. They, the, Locksmith finds a key that he knows is going to fit the Klaus's closet. So he unlocks the closet. They're rifling around. They're looking in coat pockets. And then they find this black box in the closet. And in the black box is the black pouch. So they take the black pouch. And this is where I got to push back on Eddie Lambert a little bit. If as a PI, I mean, you document this stuff, you videotape it, you photograph it. He just dumps everything out on Klaus's desk and they're like rifling through it. You wear gloves, you put it into bags, you bag the evidence, you have some kind of protocol with it. They don't find any vial of insulin, but they do find, I think, a couple of bottles of some kind of sedative and then they find three syringes. And one of which has been used and it has a crusted tip on it.
1: I mean, I would hope, Sarah, as a PI, you wouldn't be going into anybody's home with a locksmith and bypassing the police to collect evidence. Okay, I'm going to take the fifth on that (laughs) part. Well, I hope if you did do it, you wouldn't think it would be admissible in
0: court. Well, no, uh... I mean, I, I have collected evidence. I think we're going to see how problematic this becomes in the case. Why didn't Sonny's family just tell the police and say, we think there's this black bag, get a search warrant and do it the right way. Because
1: we think there's this black bag, or I think there's insulin in this black bag is not enough
0: for a judge to send a search warrant. Exactly. And they were so afraid that Klaus was going to go and destroy the evidence, or this is what I think they're thinking. Mm -hmm. And it's also they're a very high profile family. So they- don't want to muddy the waters unless there's it's kind of chicken and egg. they need that black bag to prove that there's something suspicious going on, but they have to get that black bag. You know what I right. mean It's sort of like they they're in this catch twenty two but I think they really do want to keep this private. they want to keep it out of the papers. they don't want it on the police radars yet, but it's a big, big misstep to collect the evidence right, but I it's interesting see. that
1: this very smart, savvy man who they think killed his wife would keep this evidence in this bag and then keep this bag around him and travel around him with this evidence from
0: place to place seems, well, it seems a little bizarre to me true but there's no bottle of insulin in there but and, there's a needle well we'll get to that well you're right right but, you I know, mean, but, but it, it, you're right
1: but the family takes this evidence to be
0: tested they take the needle to a lab to be tested they do they take it first to dr stock who was basically sunny's doctor part of their mission is also to see maybe they can find something that will help in solving the coma question why did sunny go into a coma and they also want to see which of these things were prescribed or not prescribed these substances that they find dr stock tests the needle and the encrusted material at the end of the used needle actually ends up being insulin. So Dr. Stock basically says to Ku and to the family members, if you do not take this to the police, I'm going to. So they end up turning the case over to the police. The guy's name is Riza. He's a lieutenant and he takes over the investigation. Right. And Riza basically starts the investigation in a way anew. Ryza kind of surprises Klaus outside of the New York apartment and kind of takes him unaware. And he's not trying to get any kind of big, long interview from him. What he's trying to do is tip Klaus off that they're looking into him, essentially. He doesn't say he's a suspect yet. They want to see if Klaus is going to react and try to recover the black bag. In the meantime, he also has secured a search warrant for Clarendon Court and Klaus goes back three days later. Klaus goes into Clarendon Court. RISA comes and he has a search warrant and he sits Klaus down for an interview. And what Rice does is he sits Klaus down and he starts to talk to him. He starts to interview him. And he sort of says, if you need a lawyer, it means we think you're guilty. <laughs> you know? Just by the way, he has officers searching the house in the meantime. And what the officers say is that the closet, which is in Klaus's study, which if you remember, had the black box with the black bag in it, is wide open when they first come. And there is also a pad of paper on Klaus's desk that says black box. So Klaus excuses himself to go to the bathroom. When the police go back to his study, they notice that the closet doors have been closed and locked and that the note saying black box has been torn off.
1: I don't know. If I had my fun drug box in the other room and the police were over, I'd hide it, too. If it yeah. was my party box, yeah, <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't want anyone else to know about it.
0: But they collect enough evidence and they retest mm-hmm. the needle, which comes back. Again, it shows that there's insulin on the tip of the needle and they feel they have enough Motive, means, and opportunity to indict Klaus, and indeed he's indicted by a grand jury.
1: And Sarah, when we say this was a big case, this was a huge case, especially in New England. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was massive. And this was really one of the first cases to be televised. And it had everything. The money, the sex, the drugs, the international jet set. It was like dynasty. It really was. And... uh, if you're not familiar with Dynasty, Google it, because the best outfits and hair. But, you know, this was a big show in the 80s, and it was just money and wealth and everything just you Scandal! Extra, you know? extra everything <laughs> extra. We were just all riveted. I actually remember this case, and it was a very, very big deal.
0: It was. I think the defense was a bit weak for Klaus and the prosecution's evidence. You had this needle encrusted with insulin. You had the Alexander Isles and the big money motive. You had a lot of evidence against Klaus, which I think it didn't help him that he was so sort of stony in the defendant's table as well. He never showed any emotion. He he didn't connect with the jury at all. And they were a working class jury. And what happens? to klaus klaus is found guilty he's found guilty and he's sentenced to 30 years 30 years, but I love what Klaus says himself. And he says that this was actually not just a line from the movie Reversal of Fortune. He says, I was accused of killing my wife. Anything less than 30 years would be monstrous. <laughs> <laughs> actually,
1: it's a great video to watch of them reading the verdict because he actually makes
0: no facial change yeah, when amazing. he's found guilty. He's stone-faced. It's some obscenely high bail. That's like lunch money for him. So he makes his bail. He's out on bail. But he is facing 30 years. A lot of people actually wondered
1: why he even got bail. Because he was actually a flight risk Because he was still a Danish citizen. And there was no extradition. So he could
0: have just fled,
1: but he didn't.
0: There's no extradition with Denmark?
1: Not, no, not at that time. Oh, wild. But he didn't. He didn't flee. He wanted to stay and prove his innocence. And the way he decided to do that was by hiring
0: a very high-profile attorney who is very Ivy League. <laughs> Alan Dershowitz. And listen, whatever you think about him sort of personally or politically, he's probably one of the greatest legal minds in the 21st century. He's a genius. I'm sorry. He
1: really is. And Alan Dershowitz, he's from New York. He went to Yale Law School, longtime professor at Harvard, very big presence at Harvard. My sister worked at Harvard Law. You've known people at Harvard Law. He's just a huge personality there. Love him or hate him.
0: Yeah, he's a jerk,
1: but he's he's a genius. Yeah, I've, (laughs) I've I've heard the same. But yeah, he is a genius. He has represented, we'll just name a few patty hurst mike tyson julian assange he also does lots of pro bono oj simpson hello oj simpson i was kind of mad at him about that one so i don't want to mention it
0: oh i'm so bringing that up at the end of this <laughs> i'm gonna make you suffer so big time laura it's not um, even funny i heard
1: he got into a fight with larry david on uh, martha's vineyard or nantucket go larry <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, anyone who hasn't seen Reversal of Fortune, watch it right away. But you have these polar opposites in Alan Dershowitz, who's this kind of small, scholarly, Jewish, academic. And then you have this tall, noble, British, Klaus von Bülow, And they come together and make this phenomenal team.
0: Yes, absolutely. And we are going to leave you hanging because we are going to actually talk about the next phase of this, because this is... Is not over.
1: Not by a long shot, and I am going to come back in the second episode and go full-on Team Klaus.
0: And I am going to fight it tooth and nail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> murder, murder.